few weeks ago, uh, a brother in the church left a um, beautiful painting in, uh, in my office there. Some of you might have seen it. It's a painting of Moses by the burning bush. And instantly, I'm just going a little bit ahead, but that's the Sabbath school lesson of next week, very first. But I intended to take this episode as the text for the next time that I would have an opportunity of preaching here. It fit well because it's a call to mission, and that's the first Sabbath of the a new officer's year. It fits well together with uh, the holiday we're celebrating together as well, because God's meeting with Moses at the burning bush was the beginning of the independence of the people of Israel. And today we're celebrating the independence of the United States. But like every Sabbath, we're celebrating our independence um, from the world of sin. This picture <clears throat> shows the awe and the surprise of Moses as he was talked to by God on an issue that had been on the back of his head for a long time. And um, that was that his people was oppressed back in Egypt where he had come from. The people that have worked and given their lives for the independence of the United States have been remembered in our prayers this morning. And it was with reluctance that um, steps were taken to separate from Great Britain. I read the history a little bit of what happened around seven. 1775-1776, and uh, it was with great reluctance. Actually, this ambivalence is embedded in the Declaration of Independence itself. But the king of England at that time, George III, had people here that were oppressing through taxes, through non-representation, through manipulation of laws, they were oppressing the colonists in the 13 colonies of the United States. And so some war started in 1775. Um, I don't know if some of you have been in Concord, Massachusetts, where this started when the armies of George III were sent to crush the colonists here, the Americans. But this led to serious thinking on the part of many here that they should separate from Great Britain. And Thomas Jefferson was asked to write the reasons why they should. And that's our Declaration of Independence that was signed on July 4th, 1776. In it, you can read all the reasons why. It was finally something that had to be done. It was with reluctance. And so, um, since that time, July 4th has been remembered in our country. Actually, some thought that it should be another day, July 2nd, but um, 
It's July, July 4th. It's remembered as a day of celebration of the independence of um, America and uh, as an independent, sovereign, and free nation and <clears throat> as a home that we call Sweet Home, as we sang this morning, a nation under God for which we're grateful. It's beautiful. America the beautiful from sea to shining sea with freedom and with abundance of corn and grain, mountains and plains. And so we call this a home. It's a beautiful land. And we thank God for where he has brought us, even through ups and downs and through difficulties that uh, we have experienced through the centuries and even in our lifetime in the past years that we are still able to, to be here and have food and shelter and even some air conditioning and worship here freely. Now, if you look at the first hymn, it's a hymn about America. God bless America, my home, sweet home. The closing hymn is about in a little while we are going home. And that's the point that I want to make this morning to you as we celebrate the present blessing of a country that has blessed us. We're looking for something more. Even as Abraham moved from Ur to Canaan, that was not his final place. Hebrews chapter 11 is very clear on this. And even as this land is sweet, there's a land that is sweeter than day. And we sang about this just a moment ago. I appreciated the children's story. Many a time, Father's Day gets completely bypassed, especially with camp meeting. Mother's Day, we men have taught our children to spend hundreds of dollars on their mothers, but somehow it doesn't always get returned. But uh, I appreciate the remembrance of fathers and the notion that we can have, that we all have two daddies. We have our earthly father, who as bad as he might have been, always has tried to do his best. And we, while recognizing this, honor our fathers, earthly fathers. But we also have our heavenly father. This morning at Sabbath school, we were reminded that patriotism comes from the word patria, which comes from pater, which is the Latin word for father. It's the fatherland. And so this Independence Day weekend, we have an earthly fatherland, which with all its flaws, we appreciate and we honor and thank God for, Right? with watermelon and barbecues and fireworks. But we also have a heavenly daddy land, a heavenly fatherland. And that's the home for which we're seeking truly on any Sabbath morning. Anytime we worship, we express in our worship a longing for something beyond. America was a country that was raised by God. As you study the prophecies of Revelation, chapter 13, we see how this land appeared like a land on a 
on a place that was vacant, and it served as an earth of refuge for the early pilgrims. It was a country that was established on beautiful principles. And yet, we also know from the very same chapter that because of the human nature, it's a country that in the future will have something to do with persecuting the saints, as is referenced in Daniel chapter 7 and other places in Scripture. So America, just like our earthly fathers, is not perfect. Canaan was not perfect, even as, as Abraham moved there. Even as the nation of Israel was established. Under God's instruction, because of human nature, became a nation that placed great emphasis on worship, but had very little to do with social justice. Violence, just like outside of Israel, became the rule rather than the exception. Even the church, which was established by Jesus himself, upon you I will found my church, he said to Peter, and the church was founded by Jesus himself. And yet we know as we read the seven churches of Revelation that there was, because of the human element in the churches of the past, in the church of the past, there has been abuse and it was not the perfect home that God intended for a church to be. And yet we honor the church and we honor our country and we honor the Jewish nation. Every human organization, every human is flawed and because of this, there is a need for us that we find deep within us to look beyond this to a place that is perfect. So there is still for us a way to go. The scripture reading that was read a moment ago tells us about how we are cold. We are cold out of darkness to go into light. In other portions of Peter, we are called, as Christians, a royal nation, a royal priesthood. Called to give the praises of God to the world. And so this beautiful painting that is in my office now becomes a call not just to Moses, but a call to every officer of this church and a call to every member of the church, and a call to every human being by extension, to be working towards coming out of darkness and all that it represents, and to make a daily effort to be pulled toward what light is and what it represents. And not just to be pulled yourself, not just be pulled myself, but to make some effort every day to proclaim and to help others to move from darkness into light and all that these represent. The whole people of God that stands for Moses. Isn't that true? God is in the bush. Moses represents the people of God. And that is us. God is calling not just Moses, but you and I. 
There is a land that we need to work towards. We are just pilgrims and strangers like everyone else before. We need to do what we can for social action. To, to help those that are poorer than us. We need to do what we can to dispel biblical error with biblical truth. Through sharing what we know. Whether it's in writing for some of us or with speaking. We need to try to do our best to come out of unawareness. And to bring others also out of obscurantism. Under the shadow of beliefs that are not serving them well because they're not from God. I'm wondering, as I say these things that are in general, how they apply to each one of you. What area of your life you would call in darkness? What area of your life you would call would be the preferred outcome? Where you would like to go? What are the sources of oppression, whether they are outside of you or whether they are inside of you, that you would like to be free from? I don't know what, in your case, would be the darkness of those that you have an influence upon, those around you, and how you could help them. Would they be parents? Would they be children, colleagues, friends? I'm not sure how this applies to you, but I know that you know. And I invite you to think of where it is on this Independence Day that God would want you to move and to help others to move. As I read that chapter in Exodus, chapter 3, I was impressed by a few things, and I'd like to end with this. Last time that I was here, I had prepared a, a message, especially for one person. It was at the occasion of, uh, of Pat's passing away. And it was hot. It was a little long. I'll be a little shorter today. But I have a few things that impressed me that would be of help to you as... We, get them, we, get, we gain them from the story of Moses at the burning bush and how they apply to you where God would want you to move. The first thing is that, that I would like to bring to you here or short point. What was Moses doing when God talked to him through the burning bush? Do you remember? He was herding sheep. And that happened to be his regular daily occupation. So, even though the words that I speak to you today from this pulpit are today during the 11 o'clock hour on Sabbath morning at worship, I'm not presuming that God speaks to you just now. He, he, he does, I know. But the special time when you feel he's telling you something regarding where you need to move, maybe sometime when you're just doing your dishes, when you're mowing your lawn or doing something regular. But that's what happened to Moses. He was tending the flock 
of his family in the desert. He was seeking God, however, and that's something that we must do too. He was not just tending the sheep anywhere, but he had gone towards Horeb, the mountain of God. As this quarter we'll be studying about worship, important to us to see that worship is not something that happens just one hour a week, but it's something that we need to introduce on a regular basis into everything that we do, whether it's working or playing or talking. Try to remember to bring the spiritual aspect of God into everything. And so that's what Moses had done as he was doing his regular occupation of the day. He was doing this with an openness. He went towards the mountain of God. And there he saw something that was very special. Many a time we're very busy. But shepherds don't have such a fast life, do they? And so I invite you to slow down, maybe during this weekend or maybe this week sometime, to give yourself a little extra extra time to, to stop and be aware of what's going on around you and see how maybe, perchance, God might be wanting to talk to you about something in your life. You see, that's the beauty of the Christian life, the spiritual life. It's not just something that is on the surface, but it's something in which you communicate and you receive communication. So here, he saw that special sight of a bush that was burning and burning and burning and did not consume. As I read those words that the bush was not consumed, (laughs) the last time that I read those words, it was in Lamentation, where it says that it is because of the Lord's mercy that we're not consumed. And I see in this not consummation of the bush, a sign of a God that reveals himself as one that does, does not consume us. It does not consume us. His mercies are there and he's there for us. Once Moses shows interest and wants you stop and wonder about what God might want to tell you through somebody's words or through a sunset or through something else that happens in your life, And you wonder, God then speaks and opens his mouth, calls Moses, Moses. Moses answers. There's a conversation that's going on there. And Moses realizes that it's not just Nina, Wisconsin that he's in, but it's a holy ground. It's the place of God. God reveals himself as the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And as we read this morning, many a time, human beings after sin are afraid when they see God. And so Moses was afraid. But God, just like when he put his hand on the back of Daniel or of John in Revelation, once more explains that he's not there to hurt, but to guide from darkness into light. He says, I've seen the oppression of my people in Egypt, and I want you to lead them out. What is the reaction of Moses once he sees what God wants him to do? Moses says, I don't know how to speak. He is overwhelmed with his sense of inadequacy. And I think that it's not by mistake 
that we see the example of one of the greatest men in history being overwhelmed by his sense of inadequacy. This is something that many of us carry from a long time. We don't feel adequate. We can see how we cannot do it, how it is difficult, how it's not going to work out, all of these things. And we, leave, we lift those things up as barriers to our even trying anything. But God is not baffled by this. As Moses <clears throat> say, well, I am not, I am nothing. Who should I be to lead Israel out of Egypt? God says, don't you worry about you. I will certainly be with you. As you consider how you are called to work towards greater independence from what oppresses you either, either, either from without or from within and how you are called to help others to do this. And as you feel inadequate to do, to do this, to answer that call, the power that is promised to Moses is also promised to you and I. God says, I will certainly be with you. Still, Moses is not convinced, and God gives him further signs. This does not work. A third time, Moses says, please send somebody else. And it's at that point that we have God being termed as angry and saying to Moses, Aaron, your brother, is coming and you're going. It's not to take away free choice for Moses, but somehow, as we don't feel adequate, sometimes God, God pushes us a little bit, gives us a little push so we can get things done. That's what he did to Moses. And Moses is quick to respond to this. As soon as the conversation is over and that he has seen how God tells him Aaron is on his way, Moses forgets about his inadequacy and he goes to first his, brother, his father-in-law, Jethro. And then he leaves. He meets with his brother Aaron. They speak with the elders of Israel. Then to the whole people who worships. And then he goes to Pharaoh. And the rest is history. So... We are grateful for this land. We're grateful for the measure of blessing and independence that is ours here and that is ours in the church. And yet, this is not our permanent home. There is something more we know in our hearts. There is something better to be done tomorrow than it was done yesterday. I don't know what it means for you. But I know that God is aware of this and that as you go about your regular occupations and as you're open to God communicating to you and wondering what he wants to tell you through this and that circumstance or another, he's able to speak with you to give you a clear call that will be of blessing to you and to others around you like it was for Moses and those around him. Life-changing, history-changing. 
Not just if you are an officer, but everyone here. Something to do tomorrow. Something to do today. And as you feel inadequate, be comforted that never did one person in the story of humanity succeed because they were strong or for anything lasting because of their own personal stuff that they brought to the table. But because just like Moses, they were willing to receive the help that God is willing to give. God said to Moses, and he says to you, on your way to that land that is sweeter than day, on that path, on that dusty path towards that home that you can truly call home, in the valley of the shadow of death even, I am with you every step of the way. My rod and my staff, they comfort you. They will guide you in paths of righteousness. You may feel inadequate, but God is adequate. God is able. And as we sing our closing hymn, and as we depart from this place to see fireworks and celebrate where God has led us thus far, I would like you to be open to receive both his guidance and his power to what we are truly longing for as Seventh-day Adventists, but as human beings. A place where by our action, by God's action through us, darkness will be dispelled and light, love, all of these beautiful things will be found in greater measure. Amen. Father in heaven, we want to thank you for our Christian faith that you've given us. We want to thank you for the example and uh, the salvation of Jesus who's led us by showing us the way of love. And Father, that's a challenge for us, but we pray that you will fill us with his presence by the Holy Spirit. Remind us of his words and of his life. And renew, as we're celebrating in glory, the independence of the United States this weekend, that you'll remind us of the more glorious day that's coming, that we're longing for, that we're expecting the day of the soon return of Jesus, when death and sorrow shall flee away and the redeemed of the Lord shall walk with rejoicing on their head. Hasten that day and help us to be good pilgrims and to help others on the way as we go from this place. And we ask for your blessing on us as we do this. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious unto you. May the Lord lift up his countenance upon you and grant you peace now and forevermore. May the love of God and the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ and the communion of the Holy Spirit remain with us all until we meet again. Amen.